Greetings, humanity. I realize it's been a while, but I figured I'd take another stab at all this. We're going to try to conclude this series that I started eons ago that asks the question, does canon matter? And I believe last time I said I'd talk about some authors. So let's start with what's considered canon for H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu Mythos. So Cthulhu Mythos continuity is both fascinating and Byzantine. It is very much a question of what you want to consider canon and what you don't. There's nothing really official, because at this point, a good portion of Lovecraft's original work is in the public domain, quite possibly all of it. There are a few questions about it still floating around, but from the look of things, most people these days seem to be able to use Lovecraft's stuff without worry. The last folks that did anything toward copyright claims on that were Arkham House, and they are no longer with us. I'll maybe get into the specifics of that in a little bit. But in general, the Cthulhu Mythos is a collection of stories by H.P. Lovecraft and other individuals. Stories and other materials, in fact, because there's a role-playing game and there have been video games and movies and what have you. Lovecraft himself had a circle of writers that he was friends with, and they would often trade off and do stuff in each other's universes. Famously, he was friends with Robert E. Howard, and I believe at one point Lovecraft wrote some Conan stuff, and Robert E. Howard wrote some Cthulhu Mythos stuff. The actual term Cthulhu Mythos was coined by August Derleth, who was someone who believed himself to be the curator of Lovecraft's materials after he died. I think perhaps he wanted to gatekeep a little bit, keep the quality up, but continue to have it be a shared universe. He's actually the one who formalized the relationships between different entities. For those not familiar, Lovecraft's Cthulhu Mythos is about a bunch of alien creatures from another realm, or ancient creatures who were long ago worshipped on Earth and whose influences are perhaps returning. And they're really very much about how tiny we are as human beings in the universe. That's where a lot of the horror comes from. There are a lot of names that get thrown around that perhaps folks will have heard. Cthulhu, I think, in particular, got a lot more popular after the rise of the internet, even though as a concept, he had been around for quite a long time. The Necronomicon, of course, is the name of the most famous book that appears in Lovecraft's writing. It was penned by the mad Arab Abdul Alhazred, and there's a version of it that characters go and can readily look at, apparently, at Miskatonic University in their library in the fictional town of Arkham, Massachusetts. Lovecraft wrote a lot about Massachusetts and New England in general. I believe those were his stomping grounds. Cthulhu himself, of course, only appeared in one story that Lovecraft wrote, The Call of Cthulhu, but then was used a lot more by other writers later on and really was the most popular of his creations, I think, even long before the internet. Some of that, I think, had to do with the popularity of the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. It had a major following as far back as I can remember. I remember hearing about people playing it back in the 80s. But then you have other entities like Yogg-Sothoth and Nyarlathotep and Shubnigurath and Azathoth. Lots of Oth sounds. You have the Shagoth, which are a type of creature. You have the Migo. You have the Elder Things. And you have the Ancient Race. I'm trying to remember if the Ancient Race is the same as the Elder Things or if it's different. There are a number of stories where you have beings projecting themselves forwards and backwards through time. And it gets a little confusing. There are a few different stories. And I'm trying to remember if the beings described in At the Mountains of Madness are the same as the ones from The Whisperer in Darkness. Not sure. Also, it gets a bit confusing because both of those stories have more than one type of creature in them. And I'm not going to take the time to go and look it up right now because this is rambling time. This is not research time. But anyway, like I said, 
Byzantine, and we haven't even gotten to the other authors yet, but let's not torture anyone here. Basically, Durleth classified a bunch of these creatures into different camps, also into different elements. You have the Elder Gods and the Great Old Ones, and Lovecraft didn't use those categories quite in the way that they got nailed down later. I think in a way he kind of wanted to defy categorization so that the horror of these unknown things could bleed through more. I think the most tying together of things that Lovecraft himself did, of the stuff that I've read, happened in the Dream Cycle. There are a series of stories that take place in the Dreamlands, which is a place you can get to if you're an expert dreamer. A good portion of those stories involve the character Randolph Carter going to the Dreamlands and having adventures and seeing terrifying things. But in those stories, Lovecraft did sort of establish a loose hierarchy among some of the entities that he liked to write about. But in any case, that got further formalized by August Derleth. And as far as the elemental classifications go, he used the standard sort of western fire-water-earth-air idea. Under air, he had Nyarlathotep and then deities he himself inserted into the mythos. Hastur and Itakwa and Zar and Lloigar. That's probably as close as I'm going to be able to get to a pronunciation on that one. Under Earth, he put Shub-Nigurath, and also Sathagwa, which I believe was a creation of Clark Ashton Smith, Nyogtha, which is a creation, I believe, of Henry Kuttner, and Kaigya, or Saigya, or Siakha, or Ha-Ha-Ha-Ha-Ha. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that one, but that one was apparently written about by Eddie C. Burton. Under fire, Derleth put Kthuga and Afumza. Kthuga was his, Afumza was Lynn Carter. And underwater, he put Cthulhu, Dagon, Gatanothwa, Mother Hydra, and Zoth Amog. Zoth Amog was also put in, I believe, by Lynn Carter. So as you can tell, this has a lot of moving pieces, and we haven't even gotten out of the 1940s yet. Let's do that. Basically, there have been a lot of writers who've done stuff with the Cthulhu mythos. I am not going to list them all. That would be insane. Some of the better-known ones include Clive Barker, Robert Block, Ramsey Campbell, Harlan Ellison, Philip Jose Farmer, Neil Gaiman, S.T. Joshi, Stephen King, Brian Lumley, China Mieville, Roger Zelazny, and countless others. Some of these folks wrote entire Cthulhu Mythos stories. Some of them just incorporated elements of it into their own stories. Later on, of course, you get the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game, which introduced a bunch of elements of its own. And within, I want to say, the last decade or so, We've had the rise of other tabletop games using the Cthulhu mythos that are not put out by Chaosium. They used to be very litigious about that, but it looks like things have been worked out more recently so that folks can put out their own RPGs about it without as much trouble. So now, of course, you have Trail of Cthulhu by Pelgrane Press, and you have Cthulhu Dark by Graham Walmsley, and you've got Tremulous by Reality Blurs. They also put out Realms of Cthulhu for Savage Worlds. And, of course, you've got video games and movies and all manner of other media out there now. At one point, Guillermo del Toro was working on an At the Mountains of Madness movie, which sadly right now doesn't look like it's going to happen. Maybe hopefully one day. But out of all that stuff, what is canon? Well, there's not really an authority to tell us what is and what isn't. So that is something you have to decide for yourself. A lot of people will say only the stuff that Lovecraft wrote is canon. A lot of people will say only the stuff in Cthulhu Mythos-specific stories are canon. Only the stuff curated by August Derleth are canon. Only the stuff written before a specific year are canon. Everything except the video games and the RPG and films and other media are canon. It's really more subjective, I think, than most other collections of things. So I think if you're having a conversation about it, it's easy to bring up the 
the source of one particular deity or one particular type of creature, but there's not really any way to say it is or is not valid. And of course, since a lot of the stories themselves are written from the perspective of someone who doesn't really know what's going on, that makes it even more subjective. So this is the kind of thing you can talk all day about, but I think arguments over canon probably fall to dust pretty quickly. I mean, you can erect certain barriers if you like, but really, that is a personal thing, and not something that I think everyone else is going to recognize as an authority. So short of visiting the Dreamlands yourself and communicating with Nyarlathotep, I don't think you're going to find out what really counts and what really doesn't anytime soon. I mean, I have a copy of a book called The Necronomicon. It's a paperback. It is a delightful prop. It has a bunch of amusing incantations in it. It was authored and released back in 1980 so that someone could afford to buy lunch. Is everything in it canon? Well, only if you want it to be. I've also got a book here called The Encyclopedia Cthuliana by the folks who put out the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. It's got a very useful sort of encyclopedia-like setup. It is also, unfortunately, as of this recording, 20 years old, so I'm sure plenty more stuff has been introduced into the mythos, but it makes a pretty cool guide anyway. So if you just want to get a primer of a lot of the basics, you can check that out. It also does mark things that are from sources that would come from the role-playing game versus other sources if you want to discriminate about that. Well, I think that'll about do it for the Cthulhu Mythos for this subject. I think that I could talk for a very long time about the Cthulhu Mythos, as evidenced by the sheer amount of material there is on it. But life must move on. So that's it for this episode, and next time we will talk about Terry Pratchett and the Discworld series of books specifically. Till then, I'll see you all of a sudden.